Welcome to Kush Chat. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Kush Chat with your host, Keon Torres. And goddamn, we have another hell of a motherfucking show for you. As I'm smoking this Lucy again. But yeah. Hey, you thought last episode was amazing? Come on. This interview is going to blow your fucking mind. I don't even want to talk. But before we get to that interview, let's play a song of theirs. It's called Growing Pains. And during these times of crisis, we need good, real music to listen to. So ladies and gentlemen, here's Growing Pains. Hey. 
Tell the world who you are and what you do. Hi, guys. This is uh, Cristala from the band No Grudges, and I am the singer. And this is your boy Gabe Castellar, and I am the guitar player of No Grudges. Fucking awesome. So I knew you guys as L-Train. How come the name No Grudges? Like, how did that come about? <laughs> Take it away, Cristala. <laughs> All right. So, um, well, well, basically, like, with L train, we were just having some band member issues and we just felt like we just wanted to start fresh again. And we just kind of wanted to leave the name behind because uh, it just seemed like legally there was just a lot of issues with the name and there was a lot of people using the name. Um, there was even uh, another band trying to go by that name as well in, in New York City. So it was just very confusing. And it was just like too much. It was like so many people were using it. I was like, oh, you know what? Like, since we're going to start fresh, you know, might as well just, you know, do it right, you know? So oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. We were like thinking of names like for the longest time and we couldn't ever figure out something that like first nobody even had. And um, and, you know, like something that we just like loved that like that we would just, you know, uh, yeah, something that we would just love. And I don't know, like one day I just remember 
I was just scrolling through my notes and I, I wrote the word grudges down and I was like, oh, like maybe like no grudges. Like I, I felt like that name just like really resonated with what we were going through at the moment. And, you know, we were going through so many different emotions and we, we had just closed the chapter with L train and, you know, we, we just felt like, you know what, like no grudges, like it just felt like a positive new vibe that we wanted to, um, I guess, project like in our lives. Like we just wanted to keep moving forward, hold no grudges and yeah, just keep producing uh, more music and uh, yeah, just positive vibes. Yeah, I, I would like, uh, sorry, I would like to just elaborate on uh no grudges at least for what it means to me um we were in bed like sitting down just like checking our phones when she came up with that name and we were dealing with a lot of just personal drama and band drama and the moment she said no grudges like i i looked at her i was like that's the new name (laughs) and it it was just like it it just defined exactly how we feel like because We've had a lot of people come against us, you know, in this industry. And as as cliche as that sounds, we have real stories about that. So that that's the at least that's my side behind. Yeah, the, t- no tell point. me the difficulties of keeping a band together. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, it's no grudges; it's all love. <laughs> <laughs> But not just for you guys, just in general, for like bands out there. Because I know a lot of brands like go, bands, not brands, go through a breakup and all that. Yeah. Um, I would say, I guess like to put a flip on that, like in order to have a great band, I feel um, our, our good friends, Violent and Black, they I feel like they do it right like they they all communicate very well that communication is like absolutely number one key to like any any good relationship it could be a good like a friendship or family like communication is just the key to have any good relationship and I I think uh they I don't know they communicate so well together and they all have the same goal you're talking about violent and black yeah violent and black and I feel like you know when you when you have a band if there's one person that doesn't believe in it it's gonna mess up the whole thing so if there's one like just one person having doubt and we I feel like we've gone through that a lot where there was always one person like just a little bit see about what they wanted and you know I feel like if if you don't want it the same way just you know really check up on everyone see where they're at what they're feeling what they're going through do they feel like you know this is a career or they just want to do it as a hobby it's like really important to know all those things no that's a great way to put it yeah totally uh now let's get the history of both of you guys Cristal you first the history like yeah basically like you know your upbringings my upbringings um well i basically was uh i mainly grew up in astoria queens um yeah i i took like choir in school i wasn't like every talent show i don't know i i i really loved music 
as a kid growing up. Um, I know I, I, I always, I don't know how or why, but I just, I've always loved music and I've always been drawn to it like since I was like a baby and I just always love to sing and I, I can't really explain how or why I've been so drawn to it but um, I feel like it's helped me in like so many different ways in my life and yeah I, I think I started like performing like when I was six and I just been hooked like ever since and I even did some like musical theater in a in high school and I even studied it in college and I studied, you know, acting, a little dancing and, you know, obviously I, I just love singing. Um, it's, it's always been my favorite thing to do. And obviously um, songwriting, uh, I started songwriting when I think I was like 12 or 13 and it definitely gave me a, a new way to just express myself and how I was feeling. And yeah, Gabriel and I met in high school. Uh, Sweet. <laughs> I'll just leave uh, it like that. I'll, I'll, get, <laughs> I'll get up to that part. Uh, so I was born and raised from age zero to about 13 in Flushing, Queens. And, uh, that up a lot of a lot of Koreans over there. A lot of Koreans. <laughs> yeah. A lot of a lot of Asians of all of all kinds and a lot of Latinos. It it, it flushing next to Jackson Heights in Queens, uh at the time when I was growing up was one of the most diverse places in the world. So I grew up already learning how to collaborate with people or learning how to interact with different kinds of people, cultures, things, and ideas. Um, I grew up uh, going to church, and my mom was in the choir in church. My mom and dad met uh, in the early 80s at Queens College. So my dad was a guitar player uh, slash keyboard player, and they met in a, in a salsa band. So well, as I was growing up in the 90s, you know, I was going to church and eventually I caught this, the music bug and I did a lot of musical theater and a lot of singing. And eventually when I turned 13, I was still going to that church. I ended up moving out to Woodside uh, for a short period of time. And then I moved to Ridgewood, uh, where I spent the rest of my teen years, uh, ended up meeting Cristal in high school. And, hey. and um <laughs> I lived about three blocks from the L train. So we'll get into further into what happened, you know, as to why we called the band L train, but that's a sense of my life in a nutshell. Besides your relationship, do you remember like your, your first conversation together about music? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You go ahead. So. Um, would you say it was, it wasn't really a conversation. Yeah. I remember. I don't know. I I just remember getting off a of stage and you're like, "Good job." <laughs> no, that wasn't our first. No, that wasn't our first conversation. <laughs> no, we're talking about about Paramore and stuff. Like you asked me to. Uh... I I guess like one of I, all right fine we we've had a few encounters, um, but I I guess the one that Gabriel's talking about is we were doing a a, a benefit show in our high school and. 
I wanted him to play guitar on uh it was actually Paramore's My Heart song. Wow, was, good song. Yeah, exactly. It was it's from the first album. And yeah, I, I asked him to play on the song and we just started rehearsing together and I guess through us rehearsing and spending so much time with each other that not only do we have like musical chemistry, but we actually started having real actual chemistry together. <laughs> it was like the music brought us together. I want to tell you the male perspective of the story. Um, so, yes. <laughs> uh, I'm telling you the nice Disney part. So the male perspective of this story is that uh, Cristal's first, at least impression of me was at a, uh, our, our high school winter concert the year before we got together. So this is all the way back in the ancient days of 2004. Whew, LimeWire. So, yeah, oh LimeWire, Kazaa, <laughs> AOL oh Instant Messenger, MySpace. I, I oh, used to man, comment, sidekicks. I used to comment on her MySpace pictures. Oh, yes. my God. MySpace. Uh, so, I, so this is how we got together. Uh, <laughs> 2004, there's a winter concert. And in that winter concert, uh, I get to play the song Smoke on the Water by Deep Purple, which is like typical rock band. Remember that video game Rock Band? It was like one of the most popular songs Oh hell yeah! that video game. It's a 70s classic song. So I get a big solo. It, like This is your typical Disney story. I get a, a big <laughs> solo in the song and I practice my ass off for this solo. And like I practiced for weeks, I, just, I I I didn't really even know how to play guitar that well at that time. Did you skip homework? I, I skipped every. I I just felt like this was the only thing that was important in my life. So fucking awesome. I do this guitar solo. Uh, I gelled my hair really nice that night, and but I was <laughs> lanky. I I was skinnier. Like I I can I made you look fat. Like I was skinny as fuck. Sorry, Damn. sorry for I'm not sure if I'm allowed to curse. No, you okay. can curse. This is the fucking Kush okay. Chat podcast. Okay, cool. Come on. So I was skinny as hell. I'm smoking a joint so right now. I, I was lanky, but I was pretty because I used to get my tape ups at the Dominican barbershop near my house. So, <laughs> so I had the fresh tape up and I had spiky hair. So, I know exactly what no, you're talking right. about. Shout out to exactly all the Dominican barbers out there. So I I didn't get, I didn't go out to play to impress to necessarily like get girls i just wanted to like get that feeling of like yo a packed auditorium and how it felt to be a rock star you're like i'm Jimi hendrix yeah, bitch right. I'm more, <laughs> like, more like juan henry right so oh so i get on stage and i do the solo and there's a certain part of the solo that i plan of basically playing with one hand so I, I did the solo your typical way, you know, dun, 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 your typical rock rock and roll solo. But then it, it came to a part where I put the guitar, I turned around, put the guitar on my back, and then I solo <laughs> with one finger. Like, I just kind of did it to be funny. But when I did that, the whole audience erupted. Like, it was like, it was like Woodstock or something. Holy so shit. It scared me. Like, I got scared. Like, I remember, like, doing it i'm like holy shit like this is what i'm gonna do for the rest of my life mm. cristala sees me at that concert yeah 
supposedly she tells her friends like that guy's an asshole like like basically she was <laughs> no, mad she was asshole mad. show off like i, I was, a like show- was a show off she thought i was a show off because i did i our the jazz band in high school we played that song before the choir went on she was in the choir <laughs> so she's kind of thinking already in her own egocentric thing of how am i going to top this guy when i get on stage Oh, so it was all competition. So it was competition. So she, <laughs> that, that's, I know that's what, how you thought. No. Yes, I, I, I know. No, you so, know what it was? Gabriel, Gabriel, did, Gabriel did the solo, and then all the girls went crazy. So then I was just like, oh, this is the guy that gets all the girls. You know, because the, the oh, girl, the, all you heard was like really high pitched, like girl screams. You, you, and you know, like which ones I'm talking about. True rock star shit. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I was, I was, I was really socially awkward in high school. Like, I, I was still kind of weird, but I've always had, and and is this pisses every every like kind of like dude that has hated me over the years of being with Cristala hates when I say this, but like before <laughs> I met Cristala, like I was like a hundred percent a player. Like that's just like, oh my, God. I I was I was. I was that typical teenage kid that just always wanted attention, which comes from the whole musician kind of vibe. Like I already clicked on to like, I want to play guitar and show girls how I play guitar. So meeting Cristala, she broke that in me. Like I realized Mm. that I needed to play my music for a purer purpose and having rehearsed with, with her, for our school concert that year later made me like immediately fall in love with her. Like I realized that I wasn't actually playing guitar because I didn't know she liked me. I wasn't playing guitar to impress her. I was playing guitar because I genuinely like musically just got along with her. And then that led to teaching me what real love is. And we've been together ever since. So that kind of even goes into play as to why we call the band No Grudges because we've been through a lot as a couple. Yeah. You know, we, we can definitely, like at this point, write a movie about what we've been through as a couple. And yeah, you know, fuck yeah. Like yeah. we've realized in order to move on in our lives, we have to have no grudges. So that's a very long answer for the first question. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that was beautiful. Um, tell the listeners how long you guys been together. Wow. Upcoming have, 15 have, years. Yeah, we're, it's going to be 15 in uh, November. Ooh. Yeah, That's fucking amazing. Yeah. That's... And I remember you saying, Cristal, it's all about communication. Like, that goes for anything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were talking about the band. Um, yeah, man. You know, yeah, with, with actually, relationships I, is... I, this leads to definitely... I started to interrupt you, Cristal. This leads to, uh, I think perhaps why it makes sense or maybe I, I would like to know how Keon, how you started as a rapper, because the thing about being in a band is you three, four five people have to agree on the same thing all the time. And, and Fuck it, yeah. it's almost <laughs> impossible is as you get older, everyone's lives get harder and people just disagree more and more. And with the way that music is produced nowadays, you can have the best sounding drums, vocals, bass, guitar, synths, all through a laptop. So hip hop, in my opinion, 
and being a rapper kind of makes more sense when it comes to creating music because you don't have to go through five to ten years of music theory training or like uh you know learning how to sing opera classical jazz like you don't you don't have to give out ideas you don't it doesn't take so much so much work on that end to produce ideas and to produce music and with hip-hop music at least the, the reason why i'm drawn to it is because you get so much information so much musical creativity in three four minutes you can literally say more in a song in a hip-hop song than you can when you're singing you know what i'm saying no, I definitely agree. I mean, not agree, but like, I definitely like, get what it's, you're saying. It's the, the practicality of being a band through the years gets a little less practical, to be honest. Like, even the legendary rock and roll guys, you know, the guys from the 60s, 70s, 80s, like, not all of them are really playing together anymore. Like, it's just technology has changed. The, the way that we live, our lifestyles has changed. So, you know eventually you really can't drag two or three guys along to play gigs anymore it's like it's hard it's just I, that's me being honest like people are are not the way they used to be at least you know musicians in my opinion no i totally get it and um coming back to what you were saying how i got into music basically i started in eighth grade um me and my boy his name is daffy we, we call mm-hmm. him daffy so basically him and I was in math class. We had this like old Jewish, like nice. Jewish teacher and she was, yeah, she was like 80 years old and she can like barely hear what all of us were saying. So basically <laughs> we used to like fuck around and just like talk about like hip hop. I was like, and what got me into hip hop was Eminem because yeah. I was just very, very, it, he was just very, very relatable yeah. to me. And it's just, we lived very parallel lives. So that's what really clicked me to like, I want to do this too. I want to write my story as well as like how yeah. he did it. So, cause like my life was pretty crazy. My life, basically I was telling Jonathan Aaron's on the last episode. Um, basically um, my father wasn't around. I never met him. And oh. um, my mom had to be young okay. as well. Like they both had me young. They both had me at 17 years old. So wow. he cut out when I was born and then my mom was just too young. So my grandma who used to be a junkie and then she ended up a street hustler in order to raise me, you know, just to make money and just make sure I had like food and clothes. And it's just, it was just crazy to me, like going through all that. And my mom wasn't really my mom. I didn't see her as my mom. So we didn't have that connection. So I just saw like my grandma as my mom. So that being said, you know, just all that pain. And then during high school, I was, I was an outcast. I was um, socially awkward, believe it or not. I was very, very shy. Yeah, that's coming from me, the guy who just humps microphone stands <laughs> when I perform. But but yeah, and then, you know, I was going through a thing with my high school girlfriend at the time. And it's just all that just boiled up. And I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do music. So from there on, me and my boy Daffy from eighth grade, we first started with a tape recorder. And then we just played like an instrumental from like a random speaker he had. And then all of a sudden, you know, we was like, yo, let's take this shit seriously. Then all of a sudden we started fucking looking for studios. And that's when we discovered our first studio and we just started like recording from there. So some kid from my high school, he had a recording studio in Dykeman. And then that's when we started recording. Then the rest is history from there. And I just kept going and going. And then I was like, fuck it. I want to perform. And then, you know, because I started like watching, you know, artists on TV, like performing all the time. I was like, there has to be a way that I can perform and express myself. And, you know, that's when I found, like, a couple of open mics, especially the open mic, you know, 
we met at Inspired yeah. Words. So we're gonna get we're gonna get into that. But um, but yeah, it was just you know everything. I just wanted to express myself on paper. I I didn't want to be somebody I, like I'm not. I just wanted to be myself. I just wanted to tell mm-hmm. my story and just you know be creative and just express myself and like everything everything like that I wrote was very very therapeutic and deep for me. And I just from there I just. I kept loving it. I was like, wow, this is really cool. I want to keep doing this. And then as soon as I performed, that's when it really hit me like, wow, I want to do this for the rest mm-hmm. of my life. And, and it's just, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with it. not just hip hop. Cause I started out, believe it or not, I started out listening mm-hmm. to rock first. And um, Gabe, you might hate me for this, but I was like a huge, like limp. No, are you, rock bro, are you kidding me? I was a bigger, not only was I a huge Eminem fan, I went, uh, in the year 2000, I, I went I went to school as Eminem for Halloween. Uh, I was a huge Limp Bizkit, Corn. I was into all of that. Oh, we all were into that during that time. Yeah, that was like that's what yeah, was yeah. popping at that time. So it was just like, yeah, it was fucking awesome. But then, like I said, once Eminem came in the picture, that's mm-hmm. like, oh shit. And then I started listening to Nas, mm-hmm. Tupac, like all the real like hip hop pioneers that like paid big the white way for t-shirts. Me. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh definitely. Oh, I actually fucking, yeah, had do-rags and all that. That's when the G-Unit air right came in, and I was like, oh, shit. Like, 50's fucking killing it out here, you know, and he just didn't give a fuck, and that's when I started, like, picking that up from him. Like, yo, I don't want to just do this shit. I don't give a fuck what people think. I don't give a fuck what people think about my music. I'm going to express myself the way I want to express myself, because at the end of the day, I know it's true. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell fucking yeah. Yeah, so. so. It's like a curse. Hell fucking yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> hell fucking yeah so yeah basically and then that's you know like i said started doing open mics and that's when i met you guys we met yeah. at the inspired word wow it's incredible like to hear your story like i don't know it's like a good like reminder like you know like how you know everyone has like their own thing but like just like to hear you talk about like what inspired you and um I don't know, I, I just, I just, it, it inspires me to hear like other musicians' stories, you know. It, it also shows to me how miraculous and how important American culture is in the world, along with kids like us at the time, actually, like impacting world culture just from our local towns and just from our country alone. Because hell yeah, if it wasn't for us kids listening to Eminem back then and t- telling other people about Eminem or listening to Limp Biscuit and talking about it at the lunchroom tables, the kids in other countries wouldn't know about it because it's not, it's not like That's as true. big as Eminem was or any American pop star was in the 80s and 90s, they're not as popular as they are today. Like. Think about how many people have listened to Tupac, listened to Tupac in the '90s versus listen to Tupac now. It's triple, quadruple. Yeah. They see him like he's the right. fucking Beatles yeah, and is. shit nowadays. He is our, he is, he is our, you know, our generation's uh, Beatles in, in regards to, you know, hip hop composition and mm-hmm. especially Dr. Dre. You know, Dr. Dre is a legend. So, you know. It's crazy how hearing your story, I relate with it so much, and it, it it shows to me how American we are, because a lot of times with us 
being yeah. mixed. You know, one one thing we can relate with you is that you're mixed. I, I'm mixed. Cristal's mixed. Like sometimes, like in this professional music business scene, it's like we're all labeled as like, you know, mixed folk, and like we're not. We're like second class. <laughs> yeah, and we're not relatable. We're not marketable. What do you mean we're not marketable? If it wasn't for us promoting bands like Limp Bizkit, artists like Eminem, for us playing it in our high schools in the hood, these people wouldn't have the respect and credit that they do. You know, so we were actually the culture pushers back when we were 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. We had the power. And and then we we were inspired yeah. by people like Eminem and, and all those bands to create our own music and to go after our own dreams. And so I, I love hearing stories like that. It, it validates the way I feel about having grown up in this country and having started a band. You know, I, I know we're, we're, we don't have the most followers and we, you know, we, we, we have a, a very topsy-turvy, we've had a rather a topsy-turvy career in the last eight years as a band. You know, I, I just, I, one thing I like though is that I've, I've always said what I wanted to say and I've always played music the way I've wanted to play it. So, uh, you know, yeah, you and that leads should, us yeah. to an inspired word in regards to, you know, collaborating and meeting different people you know that, that was an awesome time yeah it's, tell me how you found the inspired word or did the inspired word Ooh, I don't remember, uh, so with inspired word um i actually it was sylvana's sylvana joyce that that was her first time i think or her second time hosting the inspired word yes it was yes. at funkadelic i remember yes. that wait wait were yeah. we on the same night i was there that is crazy. Yeah, we were. I was at the old Funkadelic Studios. Holy shit. Yeah, the old wow. one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So she, I, we actually did a show with her like the first year that we started uh, L Train. And we had just always kept in contact. Like, I, I just always love Silvana. I think she's like an amazing performer, songwriter, uh, songwriter. I already said songwriter, singer amazing singer <laughs> like incredible singer and um yeah i just like kept in contact with her i felt like we had very like similar influences and it was just nice like to meet someone else that you know i could really vibe with and i i felt so inspired by her and yeah she she invited us i she she tagged us to go to inspired word and i feel like it's amazing because like i just think about like how many musicians like we all know because of inspired word. I feel like we were, we were like a certain class of independent yeah. artists yeah. during that time. It was you guys, Silvana, mm-hmm. Jenna Pell. It was just so many of us. Like, I don't know. I feel like it, it sucks because the music industry at that time, they were just going after a certain image mm-hmm. and gimmick. And I feel like all of us were so genuine and raw and we were different mm-hmm. from one another that we could have just, I could see, us, I could picture us all sitting front row at the Yeah, that's no very joke. true. And, yeah. you know, man, I, ha- I have a lot of feelings about that. Crystal and I talk about this every so often within the last few years. You know, what I don't get about open mics like that, and this is going to offend a lot of people uh, 
upper people in the upper part of management and all all the people that put on shows and the record labels. But at this point, I don't give a shit. Uh, I could say but, fuck them. I'm acting. But, I don't care. <laughs> right, right. No, well, that's awesome. I definitely like to learn more about that. That's I do, and we're very proud of you in regards to that. That's been so awesome to see that. I appreciate that. Um, what what I want to say is that back then when. I remember going to the inspired word quite often, you know, at least like I was going at least once a month, you know, I don't understand how we all didn't get picked up right away. Like by people with a lot of money. I didn't, this is the one, my one critique about New York city is that it's kind of all show and no, no substance. We were giving our all and our lives. Most definitely. Okay. Yeah, like we. No, we I said were, most definitely. I mean, like, like we were performing, like it was our, like it, like it was the Grammys, and and yes, hell yeah, and you know, God bless Mike for putting on those shows, but I I don't understand how we were still so under the radar, but we were making so much noise, and we were we were producing so much yeah. content. Hell yeah! And my theory at least my conspiracy and this goes into the music business is that the major labels at that time, in my opinion, were secretly going to these shows and looking at the trends and following artists like us in the secret so that they could tell their artists what to do and what to be cool. Hell yeah. Trust me. I have seen bands that sound so much like L Train and do things so similar to L Train that want nothing to do with us, that completely ignore us and have over the years. And I'm sure with the way that, that you rap and your style and the fact that, that I, I, if you think about it, like Keon, like you were doing alternative rap when that wasn't even a term back eight. Yeah eight seven yeah. years ago you know that wasn't even like hip-hop was just still looked at as like gangster music at least at that time but yeah I exactly you mentioning yeah. you know i liked fiona apple and tupac so what like yeah. i remember that when i first met you like that was a controversial statement mm-hmm. but now rappers are like you know talking about cowboys and 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 uh wearing pink cowboy suits which is cool god bless uh that, that like it's like oh yeah i see it it's crazy how hip-hop changed Mm -hmm. and all and and supposedly with the way that the narrative is is that we were all just a bunch of local musicians going to open mic no i i believe there were secret people showing up to those things and we're like yo these people are about to like destroy us so let's find a way to just copy them and then now with within the last five years you know, I see all these rappers wearing Nirvana shirts and like, oh, like yeah. now it's like everyone's alternative and it's like, it feels so unnatural and I just have to say, I just have to say like, it, it really does. Like, if it smells like shit, it's shit. Like, <laughs> like there's something about those early years that I wish they were, there were more people recording what was going on because it does. It don't. It don't add up. How we all didn't fucking instantly blow up. We were p- performing in the 
greatest venues, the greatest places, New York City. And you're telling me oh, yeah. the record labels just didn't feel like stopping by? That none of them were there? Yeah. Oh, they were there. I don't know if this happened to you guys, but it happened to me. Like, that's where I met one of my snake managers. Like, he was trying to, like, you know, he signed me with a contract for a year. And he was like, oh, let me manage you. Let me, I know this person. I know that person. I don't know if this happened to you guys. But then it ended up falling out. He didn't really want to do anything. He didn't want to take me on tour. He didn't want to pay for my studio time. I ended up paying for my own studio time. It's just a lot of these, like, talent scouts, they're yeah. fucking snakes. I don't yeah. know if this, you know, yeah, happened like, to you guys, it but it definitely happened to me. Times. I, yeah. It's definitely happened like many, 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 many times, and I, I don't know. It is insane how, I don't know. It's such like a weird thing. Like I don't get the psychology of it because it's like they seem interested, right? And they they're like, hey, I can help you. Yeah. I can do this. I can do that. And they're, yeah, and your family. And your family. Cool. Yeah, and, all that shit. You know, like yeah. let's hang out. Let's let you know, like we're cool. Like we're I have a lot of pent up frustration. Like we're like <laughs> he has a lot. He has a lot. He has a lot Don't we all sure. I think more than I do, but the thing I don't understand is how they lure you in and then they're just yeah. like I don't want anything to do with you. Yeah, yeah like like you <laughs> asked like you asked them. Yeah, like yeah, like like you know, like they are doing us like a huge, fr- but the thing is, it's like you ask us first, so it's like it exactly, make yeah. Any sense. You know, I- I'll never forget. Uh, maybe my second year, our second year of L train, it was 2012. We were all having uh, like just a regular dinner, remember at Mini Star Diner on Steinway? Mm-hmm. Remember, we were all talking about the band and what we want to oh, do, yeah, yeah, yeah. and some guy from Sony drops his card at the table this was a legitimate like he had the like building the building card. the building number of sony music in new york he drops his oh card. what a fucking dick and i, I <laughs> emailed him like like 10 15 times and he never responded yeah. i think he was just yeah. doing that to be a show off show off to whom <laughs> he was by himself Yo, this I don't music know. Business has has broken like all sense of like reason and like time. Like the music business is its own universe that makes no no sense when it comes to dealing with minorities. Like it it makes no sense. It, like, but they want to feed off our culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and but, it just pisses me off seeing that the the amount of culture appropriation. If you look at rock music, rock music started from African Americans. Right. It's very uncomfortable talk about that. for them, you know, and especially with the passing of Little Richard. All of us, yeah, that rock and roll persona that all of us seek to have, whether you do pop, hip hop, rap, that all comes from Little Richard. That screaming, that even like if you listen to ODB's Hell yeah. voice, Old Dirty Bastard's voice, and compare that to Little Richard, not very far. I mean, it's like basically the same thing, you know, even if you go back to James Brown, right, in which his band was the originator of all those hip hop loops. He was a little Richard impersonator at first. So like there it's so crazy how we were a part of that evolution of history of like people biting off of our stuff. 
like, mm. and I, I, I feel so good to take credit knowing that there were secret people at our shows in those, in the early 2010s fighting off of our shit because they don't make yep. any sense. It doesn't make any sense how like the hip hop that's popular now, even like, uh, what, what's this dude, dude's name? Takashi 69. Like, Oh, snitch. <laughs> his, his whole attitude and that persona, even though he's obviously he's Puerto Rican and Mexican, like it's it's so fake. Like I remember in high school, especially if you grew up in New York City, if you were phony, like you were called out on it like right away. Like if like if you oh, hell yeah. in, like hell yeah. dressing like like it didn't even match your personality, you were fucking put on the spot in New York City. So like that that helped me become an honest person. Like I'm not, I'm never, I've never been Hollywood. I'm a hundred percent. I call it in Spanish rachete. I'm a hundred percent real. And ra- <laughs> yeah, I was. Never, you wasn't wearing true that. religions. Like, I didn't even dress that well. I, I should start, you know, improving my my dressing. I, you know, the way I dress. But like, I've always looked at people that put on costumes, like a lot of these rappers and a lot of just artists in general in the music business that are like put on this persona when they get on stage and then take it off. I've always looked at those people as like the people that got made fun of in high school. Like you're fucking phony, you know, like I, I don't know how the mm. phonies now got in control. I think that's a very controversial <laughs> debate right there. Um, I do, I do think there should be uh, like a slight different, there should be a difference of like, performing but obviously it has to be very genuine i don't feel like you should just put on something just you know to make it controversial or whatever you know like i feel like that is making it fake but i feel like if you're genuinely putting on something because it makes you feel good it makes you perform a certain way then i got no problem let me be clear yep uh because i see where christelle is coming from the the look or rather your 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 aura your persona is a part of your artwork or is a part of your art in general i have no i have no problem with a person creating something mm-hmm. that comes from the heart if you create a character that's cool it's when you have no asso- real association with that character that's my problem like exactly the best speaking of Eminem, right cuz we're all fans of him like, when I was 12, 13, I understood what he meant by saying he's Slim Shady, even though his name was Eminem. Like, just that, like, double persona, I vibed so hard with that. Like, I remember looking in the mirror, like, with f- full passion and my fucking little short buzz cut. We all had that little Eminem haircut back in the year 2000. I re- I remember looking. Oh at yeah, we definitely did. <laughs> like saying, "I am whatever you say I am." If I wasn't like, I felt that. Like I remember yeah. my face. I used to turn red because I oh, felt God. that. I felt <laughs> Keanu knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Yo, hell yeah, I know exactly. Like, what I you're remember, talking about. That's like, I hilarious. felt, oh, I didn't man. think that Eminem was just like some somebody that was marketable and that was planned and that was strategized. That was him. Yeah. No, that was him. 
That being said, uh, let me ask you guys this. When you guys perform, and I'm going to start with Cristela first again, how do you feel? Because I know for me, when I perform, oh, I yeah. get in the fucking zone. I'm in my own fucking mm-hmm. world. I feel like I control everything. I don't like, I'm just yeah. un- like, I'm out of my cage. Because when, when, you know, you're living everyday life, you feel like you're in a cage and you have to live what, you know, we try not to live by society's standards, but, you know, we have to, you know, kind of make society happy at the sense. <laughs> so I feel like, nah, fuck that. This is my world. I'm in control. Everybody, mm-hmm. you're going to look at me, pay attention to everything I say, see how I move and just... I'm just a big ball of fucking energy Hell that's yeah. about to destroy Hell the fucking yeah. universe. <laughs> I feel like that's exactly how it feels like. And I don't know. Like, it's so weird. Like, sometimes I do feel like I have, like, like a different personality when I'm on stage. Because I just, I just feel like that's where I'm meant to be. Like, it's just on stage. Like, that's that's me on stage, you know? Like... And like everything that you just like you just said, like you feel imp- like you feel powerful when you're on stage and you're like letting loose and like I don't know, it's I feel like it's like one of the most like amazing feelings like to be on stage and I just like love rocking out on stage. I love connecting with people and you you know like you're you're very like physical performer and like you love getting the crowd into it as well and i i always respected that and that's like something that i love to do as well and i feel like it's so important like to connect with your audience and just to have a good time yeah. like people are coming to a show to have a, a good fucking time like that's what <laughs> it's about and it's the same thing, like especially right. when you're performing with a band, like, like yo, we're here on this stage, like we rehearsed for hours, and like we, you know, we were, you know, trying to get good at our instruments for years. Like this is this is our time, you know. So I I love being on stage. Like I I definitely feel like the inner, like rock kind of person, like. I don't know. I, I just feel free and I, I just love being all over the stage and having my hair in the air. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's there's no greater feeling than that. You know, uh, my. I, I know this interview is about us, but I have I just the way I am, I have to talk about Keon because of how I how this is just coming to my mind. <laughs> like I, what I remember about the way you perform is that like there were some like folk acts and funk and, and soul acts that would go on. And I realized like my first impression of seeing you perform was that like, just because you were a rapper didn't mean that you, you weren't going to be fun to watch because from my experience with open mics, a lot, a lot of rappers are like, they tend to be the most nervous people I've ever seen. Or sometimes the most unprepared people, because, because oh, yeah. it's actually quite a it's a it's a misconception that anyone can be a rapper. I actually think it's harder than all. You have to tell a story, rhyme, state on um, beat, and do all that shit, and be also threatening, but somewhat not too threatening at the same time. 
Like, that's a lot to do all at once for a human being. So I, I remember watching you perform and, like, I was like, wow, this guy doesn't even need a band to have that energy. That's just him. Like, I, I just remember thinking, like, like holy shit, like, like he's the band. He's he's three or four people on stage all at once. And imagine like us people that do play in bands. I'm like I'm a guitarist. I'm a guitarist for life, like to death. But in no way, shape, or form can I really produce the energy of a drummer or of a bass. I'm just too much into my guitar. You know, so I, you know, the respect is mutual and you kind of realizing how passionate we were as performers i i was just at that time like all about my guitar playing and i i want the way i play guitar and you know sorry if this sounds offensive to even cristalo but she knows what i mean i play guitar the same way i did in high school it was (laughs) the fuck out of people and sometimes a lot of women were still are still after me and it is but that's how i know that I got somebody <laughs> like obviously it's not just I'm, I'm not just playing and I, I never play guitar to just attract girls or whatever but just that kind of elusive um uh what's the word like that that personality where you just attract people with your energy I love that about being in a band like being able to seduce people with notes with words yeah. That is incredible. That's an incredible yeah. power and an, incre- and an an incredible feeling, especially when, you know, let's say after an Inspire Word show, you go back to work the next day and you just fucking demolish the crowd, but you go back to your regular life and then, then you're supposed to act like you're normal. I've never been able to adjust to that. Like oh, that, no. that's one thing I'm still figuring out in my life is like, how do I turn this into a full-time career without going crazy? Because like, it's it's a very addictive or rather very addicting feeling to have so much power yeah you know oh i know yeah yeah i definitely know the feeling and it's fucking crazy and i'm gonna go back to what you were saying when you saw me perform um basically what i where i got my performing like my my whole thing is basically i adapted from I use like me watching professional nice. wrestling because I'm a huge wrestling fan and I see and I see how like the bad guys like work the crowd. I was but they still got a reaction. And I was like, wow, let me add that to my performance instead of me just rapping, moving my hand. I was like, let me fucking not only have the crowd love me, trust me, there was a lot of people that hated me too when I was performing, doing a bunch of crazy shit. A lot of like people wow. who are very close minded, like, what the fuck is this? You know, they, you know, they get offended mm-hmm. easily, but I fed off that shit and I love that shit. I, I remember this like one woman was sitting in the crowd and she was just looking at me oh, with disgust. Yeah. And I was like, and I just kept looking at her like, yeah, I'm doing this. Yeah. And it's just like, I love that because that just, you know, it hyped me up more. Also, what? I watched a lot of Broadway shows. Like I went to like a couple of like shows. Yeah. So I, where, I picked from that as here? well. And I just see it was a whole different. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love Broadway. And it's just like seeing that I was just, wow, like these mm-hmm. people are fucking theatrical as fuck. And I was like, I, I want to like add that too. I just don't want to say what I'm saying. Mm. I want to show what I'm, what I'm saying as well. 
yeah so yeah it, it's just crazy to me but um going back to you guys i i know you guys made a song called the rent is oh, too damn high and trust me high. the rent is too damn fucking high <laughs> oh yeah they're, they're yeah i don't know where they're right. trying to us i guess fucking new jersey but yeah. <laughs> no offense to people in new jersey but they know what i mean but but Let's go to that song real quick because I know you guys had that meme guy that we saw yeah. him yeah. everywhere about the rent being too yeah, damn yeah, high. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell me? And you got him in the video. Uh, did he make a yeah, melody? Um, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. Uh, there you go. So tell me about like how did you guys? <laughs> so get I him messaged to be in the him video on Facebook. Uh, this is quite the story. I messaged him on Facebook. <laughs> And I, I told him, hey, you know, uh, my name is Gabriel. I play guitar in a band. And we wrote a song about your message called The Rent is Still Too Damn High. Um, you know, I know that he, by that time, uh, he had already lost the race for the the, the gubernatorial race uh, that he was in in 2010. So it was already 2014 or 2013, 2014. When I messaged when I messaged him and I said, you know, we've been rocking that message for a long time, and I said, even though it's funny, it's it's still very true that a lot of us cannot afford rent, or rather, all we do is work for rent and we can't afford anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was a I was a young college dropout at the time, and I was working from restaurant to to restaurant and working different jobs, and like I like never had money for to do anything, and I didn't I didn't have parents that had money either. You know, and I didn't have my family members weren't giving me money because I was a, a dude like they, they felt like, you know what, you want to be a musician, go suffer like the rest of your other family members that came here to be musicians from Colombia. That's all that story. Sorry. I'm going. <laughs> yeah. And right. we weren't we weren't yeah. privileged. In no, yeah. And we weren't privileged. No, we were just yeah. like making sense of the world, you know. So I messaged him on Facebook and he told me to email him. And we set up the date and the time for us to all meet up. And I said, listen, you know, I'd be willing to pay you, you know, to be in this video because I'm sure you're a very busy guy. You know, I, I, I thought he was a guy that was like and I was very naive at the time. And unfortunately, I was very naive. Like I thought like he was someone that, that was, you know, funny, but genuine about his message. Yeah, he did yeah. back in 2010. Did so he try I to thought, run for governor? Even though he was funny. Yeah, my yeah, impression yeah, yeah. was like. Well, there, you can be funny, but still believe in what you're saying. Oh boy, was that wrong? So he he comes to oh, day one of the filming where he he comes to my apartment where the inspiration of the song comes from, which was the apartment I grew up in in Ridgewood, Queens. My the upstairs neighbor at the time uh, that I had when I was younger ended up living there when we recorded the music video. So they allowed us in and they allowed us to do the video. They're amazing. I'm still great friends with everyone that in that building. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, they're angels, but that's fucking uh, awesome. When we shot the video, like after we shot it and he, you know, he did his funny line and everything. Like I asked him on a serious level. I said, you know, what are, what are you doing to help fight, you know, for lower rent in New York city? You know, I said, I I would like to help. Maybe we can do some kind of fundraiser or maybe, you know, just help out in some kind of way. And he was like, oh, uh, I'm not really sure. He was like, I'm not really, 
I don't really have any plans for government right right now. He was like, but I am going to drop my own songs, you know, soon. And he was like, I have my own studio and I'm a rapper too. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, huh? He was like, yeah. And he was like, Wait, I play a what? guitar myself, you know. I just <laughs> yeah. need to practice a little bit. And I was really confused because I was like, I was like, I, I brought him in the video with the intention of being funny, but also like to to tell people like we can laugh about us being broke but being broke is not funny yeah but he no it's not want to like i know that he saw it in my eyes that i was being genuine but i think he realized he was so far into the process of helping us with this thing that like he, he just didn't, I realized now all these years later, like he was like, Oh, like they, they're serious about this. And, and it's, it's my own idea of, of saying the rent is too damn high and I'm not serious about it. So he just kind of went along with it. <laughs> but a year later after he shot the video and like, you know, we had a lot of controversy with the video, uh, because uh you know the, the new york times was supposed was supposed to review it and everything and it was supposed to be streamed on afropunk but like no no one no one knew whether we were a joke wow. or not so what ended up happening a year later is we saw him walking down the street and we were like hey jimmy what's going on and he didn't recognize who we were he was like who are you guys yeah. this dude was in my childhood apartment <laughs> and in a what? music video and he I don't know, in my opinion, is pretend like he didn't know who we were. Or maybe he did. But Unless that, he got like the mention. That song, even though my entire <laughs> intention was in the purest form, even though it was funny, because we have all genuinely been broke for the last ten years. Like, even though even though that was that was yes. coming yep. from a real place for us. From a marketing standpoint, it's been like really hard to like recover yeah. from that song. And and I'll let you share your perspective, Priscilla, because you sing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, well, Cristal, hold that thought because we got to take a quick break, and we're back. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I talked a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, puff, puff, pass the mic to Cristalla. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, I, I don't know. Like the, the, the rent is still too damn high. Has always been like, I don't know. It's like a lot of people are just like, are they serious? Are they not serious? Like, and it, it's so interesting to me because, you know. People that are not from New York, like people that that live in Europe, find this like amazing. You know, like they're just like, "Wow, this is what's going on in New York." Yep. You know, they're just like, "Oh wow!" Like this is the band, like this band over here is talking about how the rent is is too damn high. Like, what is going on? And and Jimmy McMillan, like, it's it's so crazy that I feel like our song has probably resonated more with people in Europe. Like we get more people from Germany, like everywhere in Europe, like are watching the rent is still too damn high. 
And like for New York, it's it's always been so interesting. That's been so controversial because some people are just like, "What are you? Are you serious? Or are you not serious?" And I and I I feel like there's always been like a weird line of like, can we talk about our finances or can we not be open about our finances? Seriously. And you know, a lot of people just find it very uncomfortable. Like just to talk about it and I don't know it's it Jimmy McMillan has always been such like a weird I can never really fully figure him out and like I just remember Gabriel having that conversation with him and I was just like like what the fuck <laughs> yeah like what is going on <laughs> like it it's it was so weird and like because the thing is like we we have had so many encounters with him by that time that we asked him to be in the video. Mm. Like we had performed this song like, and someone recorded it, put it on YouTube and he actually commented and that video somewhere exists from like the knitting factory. And he actually wrote like, Hey, like good job. Like, you know, like, he wrote something along those lines, like, hey, good job on this song. Yeah. And I was like, and that was our first, like, real encounter with him. And and then we bumped into him after we performed, ironically, an inspired word show. We were walking down, like, St. Mark's, and we bumped into him on the street. And, like, Gabriel had his guitar, and, like, he whipped it out, and he was like, oh, like played the song for him and and he had a a camera guy following him around and that camera guy like filmed it you know (laughs) you remember that not not even that remember Uh remember the violin dude that found this on the subway that he was he's like a famous he's part of like the hip-hop strings group or remember that dude that dominican guy found this in the subway playing on bedford Oh, what happened? And remember, he remember he wanted us to be on a show, and he filmed us with Quabena. Oh, and then we never, we never, I know who you're talking a whole about. Even, that's a whole other even st- story, but that's oh, the, no, it's no, the no, same no, thing. No. <laughs> Crazy it's, shit, it's, it's man. We have other people film us, and then they forget that we ever exist. That's mm. why. That's why I talk about the industry going after okay. at that time young artists like us and saying yeah yeah we're gonna put you on this show yeah we're gonna sign you yeah we're gonna do this and disappearing Mm. i feel like a lot of our work a lot lot of our work has been plagiarized in that way it it has happened a lot like i'm gonna say there were a lot of like tv stuff that was supposed to happen that was one of the things that he was talking about that we were filmed for and we were supposed to be on a TV show and it just didn't happen. It just... That's some bullshit. And the, and the weird, yeah. And the weird thing is, is that no one ever contacts us to let us know like what's going on. Yeah. And, like, we try to like reach out and we just don't hear from anything, you know, like from anybody, you know, like that's like the most craziest, thing like I, I I just don't understand those things but I think those certain circumstances are meant to happen to only make us stronger and we just keep going like we just keep 
going. You know, exactly. like, we're not going to stop. Exactly. Let me say one thing about that. Mm-hmm. I-, I feel that song, just because you guys put it out like a couple of years ago, I feel like it still resonates till this day. And I have a saying, and I feel like songs like that, classic songs like that, I always say music has no age. For example, yeah, you showed it to that motherfucker, but I bet you if you show it to AOC, it'll be a whole different story. Oh, I could talk about AOC. Oh, Gabe, go on. I met her. <laughs> so let's oh, talk about that. That actually has a lot to do with this song. Yes. I met AOC before she blew up. And I told her, <laughs> I never got to tell you this story. <laughs> I oh, this is an exclusive. Yeah, this is very exclusive. I, I mean, I don't think I, I, I can't tell the story, but like it's never been reported before. I've never told anyone in public about it. But when I met her, it was in a Brooklyn bar and she was having a small gathering of like all her supporters, all the people that supported her. Yep. Then. And I told her, I said, you know, Alexandria, like it's amazing. Number one, she's an incredible public speaker. Let me tell you, Hell she, yeah. she talks like, like having met her in person, she had an aura, bro, that like I felt like she could punch me and like knock me down. Like her little skinny body. Like she just had this incredible. I can imagine. She, she was incredible the first time I saw her. But um, I told her, I said, hey, you know, a few years, the reason why I'm here is because a few years ago, I ended up writing a song about a a local politician, Jimmy McMillan, who ran for governor in 2010. And I just want to tell you that the reason why I'm here is because I want to see if you're a joke. I wanted to see if if you were like, if this was all fake. And she was like, wow. And then I said, (laughs) and I said, it's amazing that this is not fake. And I said, and I told her, I'm like, you know, as a local artist, like the fact that you're, you're caring and you're describing how it is to live in New York city at least how the majority of people live in New York City, which is that we can barely ever afford rent. I said, you know, like, I can't wait to vote for you. And I said, I really believe in you. And the fact that you look yeah. like me, you look like me. Hell yeah. You're from the Bronx. Hell yeah. And, and I said, you're young. You know, you're like my sister's age, I told her. I said, that inspires me a lot. And I said, and I said, I can't wait for you. The thing is, is that I was the only like maybe there was one other Spanish guy. Maybe he was there for like 20 minutes, but I was like the only broke Latino guy there. Like everyone else yeah. was like kind of like of the upper class, you know, maybe the words hipster. I don't mean in a, in Starbucks coffee way. in the hand. It was like yeah. Starbucks coffee people there. And I was like the only one like, dude, I'm sure along with maybe a few other people. But I feel like I was the only guy in there that's ever been on welfare. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, you know what? I need to tell her, oh those, those people that you're fighting for, you're talking about me. And yep. I said, I wrote, I wrote a song with that message saying the rent is still too damn high because her message was that, yo, we're still struggling here in New York City. Yeah. So it, it, I just want to talk about, you know, AOC and, and how... I met her before she blew up because she was she predicted mm. what was going to happen in, in her life in that meeting. Again, this right. is before anyone knew who she was. She said, they're going to come at me. They're going to come at me from the racist angle. And she said, I'm not going to back down. And she said, I will continue to fight. But she said, be careful of, you know, of what articles you share. You know, right. even, even supporting me. I remember her saying, 
be careful of even the people that support me because they will try to attach me to being a radical leftist Latina socialist who wants to bring down America. And that's not what I wanted. I remember her predicting her whole effing life. <laughs> so like, it, it's so funny you, you brought her up because I told, yeah, her, I told her about the rent is still too damn high. <laughs> and you know what's funny? She's the first politician I've ever voted for. Wow. Yeah. Cause because I feel like everybody else is a fucking joke. Well, yeah. 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 And and she made me believe in voting. Now I see more than ever why people should vote, but it's because of her. It's not because of these fucking old fucking white people in the fucking White House. It's because of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well. you can just feel that aura from her. Like I haven't met her yet, but like the day I do, I like I definitely have like a million things to ask her. And it's just <laughs> it's just like you said, Gabe, she looks like us. She comes where we come from and it's just, you know, and it's about that it's about damn time we have that fucking change and that leader that's going to ride for us cuz yes. at the end of the day no one else fucking is. Mm-hmm. They rather see us struggle. Look, they only giving us one twelve hundred dollar fucking check and you know she and the other democrats they're fighting for that shit now to make sure we try to get that shit every month but like the republicans they don't politics is a whole nother fucking story yeah totally different story but yeah it's very crazy but um it's it it she is amazing I, i i do have to say it i feel not only does she look like us but like she's also a female and Fuck yeah. I feel like she's she's amazing. Like she's inspiring. Like Hell yeah. And she's like, Oh, you think you could break me? Nope. Like I'm gonna come out of this and like I don't know. I just feel like she's like she's just so fierce. Like I, I just feel like everything about her is just amazing. And I, I wish I was there with Gabriel when I met her. <laughs> Shit, I wish I was there. <laughs> Shit. That's so fucking awesome. Oh man. Shit. I wish but, I was there. Yo, she thought I was there to like kick somebody's asses. You know how big I am. <laughs> yo, I was just a one big and I, and I was bald back then. Remember, now I have I have hair now, but I You should have asked for a job like, yo, let me be your bodyguard for all these fucking Yo, that's probably oh. what she thought. Yo, I was I was looking like a bottle, like two years ago when she started. I was looking like a bottle, so I was like, just I was, you know how I have a, I, and I have a stare too. So I was just like staring at her, like, and yo, she, she kept. I remember she kept Holy on like, yo, this shit. Is weird. Oh my god! But then she heard my voice. You know how bright my voice is. I was like, hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> yo, that's that's the one thing about my personality, like especially with like. Just the oh fact that we God. were all in the music scene is like on stage, we look like we can like beat each other, like kick right. a motherfucker's ass. But off stage, we're all like, you know, we're cool. You know, we're like this. We're like laughing. And yeah. It's just crazy the the uh, the depth <laughs> that you have as an artist. The different personalities. Yeah. yeah. Gabe, let me yeah. ask you real quick. Yeah. You made money off the subway, just like myself. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that experience as a motherfucking busker. Hey. Oh. <laughs> touching some sensitive uh, parts. Oh my god! Well, busking started, uh, rather, Crystal and I started L Train back in 2011 by busking. And but I, I remember the first few times we busked, like I had no money to eat, like that mm. day. 
and I was like, Cristala, like you maybe let's go bust for like twenty dollars so we can go out and have McDonald's or something like that. And we we would go on the L train because that's where I live near. Hey. And the L train at that time, like it, it was it was its own inspired word. Like the the amount of musicians that were going through like just playing sets at Union Square, like it was so frequent and the quality was so high that I just decided, you know what, I want to call my band L Train. Like if Crystal and I were going to start a band, we were going to call it L Train because that yeah. that the L Train seemed to be a place of like, or rather a mecca of of buskers and inspiration, and that that's where I was learning about, at least in New York City, in living here in New York City, that's where I started to begin to learn learn about the, the local scene and and what the near what the New York City sound was. You know, at least as I was growing up, so I wanted to become a part of that. Nice. And uh, the way that I became a full time busker was uh, back in 2015. Oh man, I remember those. Yeah, yeah, right. The full time stuff. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. hell yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, back in 2015, Cristal and I were laid off from uh, our casino jobs. We were both waiters at a casino, and you know, after our, our unemployment ran out, we were just like, what, what do we do? Mm. She ended up joining a restaurant. She, she got hired by a restaurant, but like no one was going to hire me because a, a lot of restaurants uh, and not to be degrading at all to Cristal's beauty and, and, and how great of a bartender she is. But like <laughs> they're they're They weren't going to hire like when it comes to men in restaurants, like you have to have experience. Or you're a bus boy. Or or you're a bus boy. (laughs) Like, you can't just walk into a restaurant with no restaurant experience. And I had already worked at a casino. So Mm -hmm. with me having worked at a casino, rather, I I didn't have, I didn't know what it was like to work at a regular restaurant. So I ended up just having to, like, figure out, all right, I'm going to have to go busk and learn how to make money. That art of making money so quickly and so fast Oh, yeah. It almost makes it seem like 2014, 2015, 16, 17, that the the, the planet was a completely different place. Because, mm-hmm. like, I feel like people were more appreciative of what we were doing back then as opposed to Hell now. Yeah. Like, I, last year, I, I went busking a few days. And, like, because now cell phones and technology and Netflix has, like, brainwashed us to the point that we're impressed by nothing like it makes me feel like wow like i caught the very last era of great live music in the subway if you realize after you and i stopped busking was like 2017 2018 we all 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 of us like slowed down a lot of the yeah slowed down like the world and the new york city music scene slowed down with it 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 did because people don't appreciate you know what we were doing. They, they, yeah. Sorry. And, and we were bringing like, original music as well. Right. And, just, and let me tell you about my busking story, like how I got started uh-huh. with um Isaiah. It's funny. We did it as a joke. We're, like we were coming from the club, and you know I was high as shit. He was drunk, and we was with our other friends. And you know, so all of a sudden I was like, "Yo, let's fucking let's see if we can make money real quick. You fucking beatbox and let me rap." 
And as soon as we did that, the dollar started fucking flying. I was like, oh shit. Right. This shit is no joke. Mm-hmm. And like, let's let's next time bring your guitar. Let's really do this shit. And from there, woo. Right. Those were some crazy times. And I was paying I had our rent, man. We were paying our rent. Yeah. Not only that, you were meeting like a lot of interesting people as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just like the energy from like total fucking strangers was a whole different type of energy. Not only that, it was very challenging as a performer. Right. Right. Yeah, and I and it was just like I felt like I was challenging myself every day because like I don't know these fucking people. But then after a while, some people here and there they start to recognize you. Like, hey, you're that guy that performs this song. I was yeah. like, yeah, that's me. Yeah. So, and I don't know. It was just really fucking cool, and it was just like a whole different era and definitely a different way of expressing yourself and also at the same time making sure you have food on the fucking table right that that hustle i can't believe we did that like we were invincible at those times there'd be some days where we didn't eat you didn't make nothing that day you just didn't eat there were some days i know i didn't eat uh but but then but but then the next day when payday hits oh it was a wrap we made a lot of money it was crazy uh i definitely uh would like to know your perspective, Crisala, because she doesn't have. Okay, you know, the, I have I have a really experience. interesting busking experience from Gabriel, and I feel like Uh-oh. it 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 kind of kept me away a little bit. Like I'm not mm. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I feel like the earlier years of us busking, like earlier years of like being in L train. I feel like like we were we were able to play at Bedford and we we were like loud and we would get complaints like we we got shut down by like police. Oh shit! But we made money. Like yeah. I remember us making money and we were like, okay, this is gonna go to this for music or recording or whatever it was rehearsal. Like something was covered, you know. And I had such like a bad experience one time like Gabriel and I we were busking and I think this was probably a year before Gabriel like really took this like full time but we were busking and it it was pretty late and someone literally tried to freaking rob us oh shit and like the person was like you could tell this person's like either crazy or on something but they literally tried to take our whole like you know we had like a guitar bag laid out and they tried to take the whole thing and like take all our money with it what and i was like what i was like what the fuck are you doing like i actually got really defensive and then like i i actually put the bag down i was the closest to the bag and i was like no like i was like what are you doing i was like that's that's our fucking money like what what are you doing you know and like things just got so crazy and like gabriel like i've never like gabriel's not a like a confrontational kind of person like he's he doesn't get aggressive he doesn't try to fight with people but like nah i could tell gabe can fuck somebody up (laughs) (laughs) but the second the 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 minute that person like that guy like threatened us he was just like, yo, get the fuck away. No, no, let's like, get the fuck <laughs> away. Mark created the scene a little better for Keon. Okay. Keon, okay, this is what I'm gonna tell you. The the per the, this imagine a 20-year-old 
young Puerto Rican dude. So imagine like somebody like you at 20 years old, but he was wearing a baby fat jumpsuit, a pink baby fat jumpsuit with <laughs> with doo-doo stains. And he had doo-doo stains on his ass. Bro, oh, no. it was the most random, like literally it's like, like, like if you can like mash up the different things in your life, like of people that would fight you. So imagine this dude. Oh, so this dude was shit. smaller than me, but he was like high on some kind of drugs. Yeah, he was definitely on something. So he no, he was yeah, threatening sure. us, and like I gave him five dollars. I was like, "Listen, man, I was like, just take this five dollars, go go away, get out of here." And he was like, "No, I want all your money." I said, "Just go away, leave us alone." We were at 59th Street, 59th Street and Lex. So mm. he was like, "Oh no, no!" He was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat you up if you don't give me your money." I said, "No, you're not." No, said, no, no. He said, "No, no." He said that that he was gonna, gonna hit, beat me up. He, that he, he was like, "Yo, I'm gonna knock the shit out of your girl." So then I dropped uh, oh my guitar. My dropped, that was I it. My I said, "Yo, <laughs> you need to get out of here." He was like, "What you gonna do?" He was like, "Oh." No, he didn't say. Oh, get out of here! He's like, get the fuck out of well, here! Yeah, I know, I did, I did. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be a Christian man. I'm trying to, be, I'm, trying to say I'm sorry, I've, I've never seen Gabriel act that no, way. No, so I, I don't even. I blanked out at that point. I was like, listen, I was like, yo, you better get the fuck out of here. And I said, and then he was like, what? What you gonna do? And I said, if you touch me, that's gonna be the last thing you touch. Holy and shit! I, and then he he a and train then- magically stopped by, like. It was weird. Like the trains, the but, like it was late at night, but like one train came after the other, which you know that was yeah. the universe just like trying to save that guy's life. Because the train came and then he ended up like throwing a Coke bottle at me. Like whatever. I didn't care. He threw a Coke bottle and came, went on the train. <laughs> but I think he saw the eyes of God. Like he saw, he looked, I, I was deaf and he looked me in the eyes because I was ready. I was like, yo, if this guy oh touches Cristala, I am never coming back. <laughs> Like I like that that emotion that I touch. I am ne- I, like not only did I, did I never want to do music again. I think I would have became an MMA fighter because I would have oh never got like because I love Cristal with all my heart. He thought he thought I was gonna be a, a punk ass bitch, but you know. Yeah. So after that time, I did busk a little later, but I felt like after that time, Trump got elected. Like after that experience, and it's oh. like. Oh, oh yeah, that was since, the last time I fucking bust. Yeah, that I, was actually the last. Time that was I last time you bust, and I felt like ever it since was Trump, it was the day yeah. he got elected. That was my last day, and right. everybody mm. was depressed. Yeah, I've never got a vibe like that from people on a platform ever in my life. Busking has never been the same. Being in New York has never been the same. Since, Since Trump, after Trump it's got so weird. Out. I one hundred percent agree. It, I feel like everything changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just I, I can't. It sucks because it makes us look like we're just Trump haters all the time. Oh, like yeah. I don't care about the dude. He's just another crumbly, old, dusty looking ass white dude who has money. They're all the same, <laughs> but there's something about what he represents. That made oh, yeah. New York City less liberal. Like it, it, it. New York City is not as as romanticized in my mind as it is now. Like it feels like it's more split. You know what I'm talking about? It, like, it really yeah. does feel like that. Yes, I definitely feel that. Yeah. And it's just, I definitely feel like a lot of people, a lot of his followers are just amped up and brainwashed, and mm-hmm. they're ready just to fucking start a civil war part two and shit. Yeah. I, I will never forget 
like as a bartender, I will never forget like all the Trump supporters coming to New York. Oh man. Yes, they would come to New York. I I worked in Times Square, so I would get all the tourists. And I will never forget this customer because it was me and my coworker who's black. Literally, like she was like, "Oh, you're pretty for a black girl." I was like, "What?" And it's like, "Oh, you're you're oh pretty for God. a Latina." Like it was just like, "What?" Like what? What is going on right now? I was like, I, "Like we need to get them out of here, like right now." I was like, "Please, no facts, right now." But like they, there were people coming here like to see the t- the the Trump Towers, like they. Mm they were just happy that he got elected. So they're like, okay, let's go to New York and see the Trump Towers. <sighs> <laughs> this crazy shit. I don't know. It's... That is that is definitely crazy shit. But, um, Cristela, yeah. tell me the time about America. Oh, my Idol. God. Ooh. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so... Give me the behind okay, the scenes. Okay, okay. Fuck what happened. <laughs> you know what? I feel like since we've been pretty honest with this interview, like I feel like this is probably the most honest we've ever been oh, I um love it. this is very exclusive okay because i've oh shit another bomb because yeah, I, I i i've never really talked about this but you know so, like the fact that i just mentioned like oh you're a latina like that was a big part of how american mm-hmm. idol was for me and you know i i'm not only a a latina but i am half greek so it's a very weird mix i i it's so weird i can't i can't even describe like sometimes it's it's weird but but you identify more as a latina though it's it's really hard like i feel so split like i i okay you know what i mean like i i i I totally like i grew up loving selena like I grew up loving her. Like she was one of the reasons why I was like, okay, someone that looks like me, okay, I could be a singer too. And she was the reason like I really do feel like I I really became like a singer. Yeah. I have never seen like to this day I'm still inspired by her and I I'll never forget the day that she passed because I I didn't understand death. Like when she died, I was very young and like it hit me in such a a way. And I actually told that story like to American Idol. And at the time, like Jennifer Lopez was a judge at the time. Oh, man. And I felt like American Idol kept trying to like make a story you know, like, that's how the whole thing is with TV. Like, I, I'm not going to be, like, against what TV is. Like, yes, TV is about marketing. It's a it's a business, you know? Oh, yeah. Trust me, I yeah. know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, hands down. And we'll definitely get into more of that because I know you, you've been doing a lot of film lately. I, I, I have so many things to ask for you, too. Oh, yeah, hell but, yeah. But, um... That experience was like, I don't know. Like, for, first off, I have I have to clarify something, is that I actually got contacted 
by a casting director that saw one of our videos as as a full band. She just happened to watch Don't Speak on our on YouTube and she was like, "Holy shit, I want her to be an American Idol. I think she can go all the way. I believe in her." So, mm. I want to put her into the casting. So, I actually kind of like skipped out a little bit on the crazy auditions cuz like mind you like the auditions for this process like is exhausting like how many auditions you get before you're even in front of anybody is crazy so i you know i was like okay you know what i'll go i had everybody support um you know the people really liked me but i felt like because i was doing rock I don't feel like it was that favored. They I could tell like they didn't want me to do rock music. My first day I I auditioned, I had an Amy Winehouse shirt and they were like, "Oh, we want you to do Amy Winehouse." I came in singing Led Zeppelin, you know. So, um I feel like they were just always trying to push something on me. They were trying to push something with a story with Jennifer Lopez and Selena. The fact that Selena has such a big impact on me. They're like, "Oh my god, are you going to tell Jennifer about Selena and how much Selena means to you?" And I'm like, "I guess." And they, I feel like they were trying to put like, "Oh, has Jennifer ever been like such a big impact in your life?" like have you ever been like a big fan like they were trying to make it like i was a big fan of jennifer lopez and i'm yeah. not going to discredit her you know like she's another latina like born and raised in new york another puerto rican and like i was like okay like like she's great and you know there was probably a time in my life that i i had one of her albums and i listened to it as a kid like Mhm. But it ain't about her. Yeah, like it, <laughs> it was just such a yeah. weird thing of like I felt like they were always trying to project something on me and they just didn't know where to fit me. You know, they were like, mm. "Oh, wait, her, but like they even thought like, "Oh, her dad is a conductor on the subway." Like, "Oh, like bring your dad to the next audition." Like they were trying to like create some weird stories. Yeah. A storyline. Yeah, it was a storyline. Yeah, yeah, like a reality, like a reality show. Because that's yeah. really what it is, you know. And I, I think a lot of us musicians, when we go into these kind of shows, we don't think that it's like that way, but it is, you know. So I can't really get offended if I didn't fit a certain kind of character or something that they were looking for, but. Yep. I mean, when I went into the audition room that day, you know, um, Keith Urban was in the room. Harry Con- uh, Con- Connick, I can't even say his name, Jr. was in the room and, and uh, Jennifer Lopez, yeah. um, which, you know, like in the room, like they make it look like they're so much closer to you, but they're like extremely far away first off. They're oh, not shit. even that close. They look very small. And they, and, you know, it was a, like an amazing experience, like to be in the room. And like, I was just like, hey, guys, I was like, what's going on? Like, I'm so excited to be here. First off, like they made me wait like hours. Like I was almost the last person like to audition, which. 
Oh, yeah. man. Like, Keon, like, you could already tell, like, they already knew, like, who was going to get in. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I can, I can definitely tell. And it's funny. I actually... So the thing with me was I actually semi audition for really some yeah uh-huh. so let me tell you this is a hilarious story so they hit me up because you know they hit me up as an actor but they see I do music mm. on the side as well so they were like hey you're part of the union you're SAG after us so um hey and we see you do music would you like to come to Washington D.C. to audition so I'm like all right cool yeah fuck it why not like. I don't give a fuck. And I, and I told her, uh, you know I rap, right? And she was like, yeah, we're looking for rappers and singers this time, what? this season. And I was like, all right. And I was like, all right. I was like, I asked her again, you sure? She was like, yeah. So I was like, all right, fuck it. So I go all the way to D.C. Then all of a sudden, you know, they were, they were like, oh, you're one of the SAG after um, artists, right? I was like, yeah. And they were like, oh, here's a special wristband. Skip oh, everybody. Shit. I was like. Yeah, I was like, oh, shit, yeah. So it was just me, and it was, like, this white girl and this black girl. So all of a sudden, they put us in, like, groups. Mm -hmm. So they were, first, we had to, like, audition in front of, like, these, like, regular Mm -hmm. people judges. And, yeah, so I was like, oh, so this is not actual, the actual taping. So they were like, no, you have to audition, but at least you skip Mm -hmm. everybody else, because it was, like, Mm -hmm. a big-ass line. And, but luckily for me, they gave me a special wristband, and I got to cut the line and shit. So this is how you could tell it's fake. So all of a sudden they were like, "Yeah, you, this white girl and this black girl, um, each of you do one song, and then we'll pick whoever we think is the best out of you three. So this white girl sings, and she's your typical Taylor Swift wannabe white girl singing mm-hmm. whatever she was singing. And then then this was this black girl. I gotta give it to her. That girl had soul, and she killed it. And then me. I started doing an acapella rap, but I'm giving mad energy. I'm like, nah, I'm going to outperform yeah. these two chicks. Wow. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, they picked what? the white girl out of me and the black girl. Yeah. Wow. And then she got to go to the actual judges. And I believe it was like Katy Perry mm. was like one of the judges at that time. So, yeah. So I was like, okay, I see what this really yeah. you know, was for. So I don't know if they taped mm-hmm. us and all that. Like what we do, like the semi like um audition, but I can definitely tell it was like all planned out, especially since I'm mm-hmm. an actor now and they hit me up just to have more of, of like someone who's has the experience behind yeah. you know music and they were like, Oh, we know you do music, so come help our yeah. show out basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I definitely see what you're talking about and it's just so smoking look, mirrors. Look, the, all look it at is. the hustle they they pulled. They need people that look like you and me and Cristal to watch the show, to watch for the Ex- commercials, to buy exactly. the product. So the, exactly. the, the people that, that uh, support this show or rather pay for American Idol, which are the, you know, the, the advertising companies, say, we want you guys to get a bunch of Latino kids and black kids and give them some hope and have them audition. But we know that even though we need them to watch, it's the white mom in the middle of America that has a lot of money be- because her, her husband is rich. She's actually going to be the one that buys the product. She'll be upset if she sees uh, a guy that looks like Keon Torres actually win this competition. So make sure to just show them that we're still on top. So hire the, the, the make sure the, the Taylor Swift girl, the, the millionth white girl that plays an acoustic guitar gets through 
but at the same time, you just get the Latino and the and the and the the black girl on the show to give them a little hope, you know, kind of like always, I, I, like we always exactly. That, yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, but you want to hear something funny though? This is what um the casting director told me on the phone as well, and this is how I know what this shit is all like mm-hmm. fucking fake as shit. They were like, so they were like, so she told me by some chance, you know, you make it to the next round, we're actually gonna pay you with our SAG after a contract and you're going to actually get more money than the people who actually make it to the really? next round as well because they're because they're not part of the huh. you know the actors union yeah so that's like you know you can tell this like okay i get it now like you know you need me so say i do make it and i blow like the semi judges mind like i'm going to get to go to the next round and get paid extra wow. than all the other people who you know, yeah. So it's just it's crazy shit. I was like, all right, American yeah. Idol, you on some. Yeah, shit. it's it's crazy. Like you know, I I did like so many rounds like for American Idol. Like I traveled to like Pennsylvania to like you know I I literally like I don't know how many hours I was there that particular audition day, but it was like two auditions in like one day, and. I just remember like waiting hours upon hours. And the thing is, it's like, you don't even know like when you're going to perform and you're thinking like, okay, I'm next. You, you warm up your voice, Mm -hmm. you know, your voice gets tired, you know, like when you're supposed to know when, when you're going to go up, when you need to warm up, you don't know. You don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Gabe, um, what was your experience from that? Wait, 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 shit? wait! I gotta, I gotta, I gotta to... tell you something. Oh, because the heat, the heat. Oh shit! Another exclusive of my audition. I haven't even mentioned. When I get in the room, when I get oh, in the room, shit. they tell me, like, like but beforehand they interview me and they're like, "Are you gonna tell Jennifer about how much like Selena means to you?" And I was like, "Yeah, I, I, I guess." So I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to go in and I guess somewhat mention like Selena because that's what they seem like they wanted. So I go, yeah, so I, I go in there and I'm like, hi, guys. I'm like, I'm so excited like to be here. I've been waiting for hours. And like, literally, I was like almost like the last person like to audition. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so finally like, I'm so excited to be here. I was like, Jennifer, I was like, oh, my goodness, like, you have no idea, like, what Selena means to me. And she just looked at me and she just gave, like, a fake closed smile and didn't say anything. Uh... Like, she didn't say anything. Like, she was like, "Mm mm-hmm, like, okay, like, and. You know what it was? I feel like she saw competition. And that's that artist. Yeah, like competitive know. nature, mm-hmm. not just with you know, with women, it's just overall. You see, like, you know, a lot of like our elder statesmen, they get really, you know, they give you the eye, especially if they see like a newcomer that you know they think they're mm. gonna take their spot. Yeah, you get what I'm saying? And you know, I don't know, that's just my theory when it comes to that. That goes for both but male and female. I don't know. The, the, the crazy thing so. is, Keon is like. I start singing and I, I sing like Aretha Franklin, Chain of Fools. And, you know, people can probably debate like, okay, like maybe you shouldn't have done an Aretha Franklin song or whatever. But yeah. when I came in, like, I was just like, 
you know, like I came in like full of energy, like even though I was fucking exhausted by that time, you know, and I was like, for five long yeah. days, you know, like I was just like saying like, hey, I thought you were my man. And I point to Keith Urban, you know, and like he's just like, what? <laughs> he's like, what? me?" And like he's like playing around with me. And then he looks to Jennifer like, oh, my God, like, you know, like with some kind of reaction. And then she just stays stone cold she doesn't even like look at him she doesn't do anything and then right when that happened Mm. i was like what just happened you know like something like weird happened where like i could tell like he reacted naturally and the other two judges were like not trying to give in to liking me and it was almost yeah it was like I don't know like I've seen videos like on YouTube about this like after my experience about how it's not really their decision it's more like the producers of the show so they kind of like give them like a look of like yes and yes and no before like anything even happens or during you know and I felt like something did switch because it was like he was the last one to get what was happening you know so i felt like he he actually had like a natural reaction and he liked me and then the other two just stayed stone cold and then when i finished like they were just like oh we're really sorry like we feel like it's a no today and i and then like keith urban was like yeah it just seemed like you were distracted in the middle and I'm I'm like thinking in my head like like distracted because I literally saw what happened like of you reacting and then Jennifer staying stone cold and I reacted to that like is that what you're talking about like in my head I'm like thinking about that and then like Keith Urban's like I don't think you should have like oh no no not Keith Urban um Harry Chronic junior was like oh you probably shouldn't have done that song like it's really hard to like do aretha and like maybe you shouldn't have chose that and then jennifer jennifer had to tell me only this yeah it's a no for me i don't know you just have like a weird vibrato And I was just like, what? (laughs) Like, that's what you reject people for? Like, having weird vibratos? You know? Like, I... Like, someone, even like Nina Simone, probably has a very different vibrato, but I don't think it's weird. You know what I mean? I agree. Erica Bobby, too. I was just like, when she said that, I was like, that's, like, not really, like, a thing. Like, I feel like that's... You know, if my vibrato is weird, like maybe you could tell me, Sorry. maybe maybe you could tell me like less vibrato or something like that. But that shouldn't like hold back someone to getting to the next level, you know. So then I was like, t- yeah, I was like taken back, and I Damn. was like, can I do another song? And Jennifer was like, okay, sure. So then I sang "Don't Speak." That was the song that you know apparently. A lot of the casting people were trying to put on me to perform anyway. 
they didn't like that I wanted to do a, an Aretha Franklin song. That's like another thing was that they actually call you the day before your audition and ask you like, so what are you singing? Okay, this is TV approved. This is not TV approved. They give you a catalog of like what you can and like what you can sing. So it was a very like limited thing of like what's TV approved anyway. So that was like already a difficult thing for me to pick something to perform, you know. But, you know, I yeah. sang Don't Speak and then they were just like, no, it's still a no. And then I was like, what? Like in my mind, I was just like, what? Like, what is what just happened? You know? I I just felt very like shocked by that happening. And I was just like, okay, well, I guess I tried. Like I don't know. It was it was so weird. It was like really weird to me. And I mean, I felt like in the end though, like it it really helped me to um grow as a musician and a songwriter because like after that experience I ended up writing like a whole entire like album you know so I was like okay mm. like I lost something but it actually motivated me to do a lot more with my band anyway so you know what I mean fuck yeah you keep going and yeah, I mean, no, they, they showed little definitely. seconds of my thing. They Obviously, they didn't show my actual audition because, I don't know, I, I personally feel like it would have been a very controversial thing, like, if they did. Because, you know, one of my other good oh, friends, yeah. like, ironically, like, she auditioned the day after me in Pennsylvania, and she was in the same segment. And as me, like as us getting let down, there was an episode, like a really short clip of all of us getting rejected, us in the audition room getting and then, you know, coming out saying no. And like now she's like freaking signed and she's in like California, like recording a fucking album. And she got wow. told no, and they were upfront about it with her, and they, they just said, you just don't have a story. That's so, fucking crazy. Yeah. That's my experience. You know, I, I, want, I forgot what I, I was going to interject or interrupt with something, and I forgot. Right. I, feel, I feel like we told a long Gabe, story. did you meet Ryan no, Seacrest? Well, what I was going to say is... <laughs> Like, I just remember them trying to, like, orchestrate conversations with us and the other the other con contestants. Yeah. And I felt that they were kind of shut off that, like, Kristallin and all of our little crew that we were there, we had our band there as well. Like, we didn't really bite on to that. We didn't really go on to, like, acting. We just wanted to go there and have our audition. And I remember they kept on putting Crystal's audition off, like for later and later and later. And they were never clear as to when she was going to get to audition. And you can see just how scripted it was. Yeah. Like, that experience, like, basically led us to record our album that we're just now getting mixed, you know. Uh, and that that's a whole other experience you can maybe leave for a, a completely <laughs> different interview. Like, 
our whole album recording experience because <laughs> band breaking up and everything. But you know, like it's I I always feel like never and 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 I'm sure you can feel this way, uh, Keon. I think you've touched on it before on your page. Like I don't understand how we have all grown up in this country, and we're especially if you're a New Yorker and we're born and raised New Yorkers how they still make us feel like we're not a part of their group. Like we're not a part of the industry. Like how much more American do you want us to be? How much more American can we be? We're matter of fact, we're more American than all those people that watch American Idol. Because if you can afford to pay tickets to go to the show or you have time to like call in the show and do your stupid voting, you, you want to know who the real American idols are? Are the people that play on the subway and make $100, $200 that day and, and have to impress people in real life. Those are the real American idols. We were the American idols. We played for all the New Yorkers That's right. in, 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 uh, you know, and all the, and all the tourists that, that would go to these, these Broadway shows. We played for them too. So but when people, when people tell me, you know, oh, exactly. you never played Madison Square Garden before. You never played this big venue. Well, I played for those same people that just came out of that show, and I impressed them too. So I, I've played for thousands of people. Thousands of people know my yep. face. Thousands of people know your face. Thousands of people know Crystal's face. They don't want me at the I, at the Grammys because I'd fucking destroy. You and I would destroy. Majority of musicians that are really good in New York City would destroy the music scene like they would turn it upside down you know like we would destroy it yeah we really would there a lot of times because they recognize our talent but they realize that if they were to really thoroughly like invest in your career you would create uh, a, a a wave of changes you know, us minorities would create a wave of changes that are more than music. It would it, it would be rather effect political than anything for for there to be a lot of color, a lot of artists of color popular in the music business. So they're afraid of that. So they they entertain the idea that you can get famous so that so that it kind of like kills your your uh your soul a little, a little bit. And it and and, and they make you stop you know your 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 stride they, they 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 cause you to become depressed and for you to, to to stop being inspired they they make it's like they they make you put the gun to your head with your career you know and it, it's it's just insane like i didn't realize Facts. it was happening to me until it happened you know that i was getting played that we were that going to american idol was a big waste of time that we were just all getting played you know and it sucks it's like what else? What else do they want from us? Do do I have to go back to Colombia and, and make uh, salsa music? And and here's why I don't do it because my father did that. Why am I going to repeat what my father did? My father grew up in Colombia playing salsa music. My mother, you know, she loves flamenco. She's you know she has Spanish hair. She loves that. But why would I just redo what my parents are doing? I grew up in America. I grew up looking exactly. in the mirror, rapping Eminem. You know, I grew up, that's me. You know, I grew up, like, wearing the baggy Jinko jeans and watching MTV and TRL. 
Yo, you yeah, should make that like a TikTok I, idea. That's that I would be up, fucking I hilarious. I'll watch Gabe do that all fucking day. <laughs> oh my god. Oh shit. <laughs> He's bringing it back. He's bringing it back. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. That being said, okay. we gotta take a quick break, but I got like three more all questions right. for y'all. But let's take a quick break after this. Hey, hey, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. But first. I know a lot of you are wondering, where can you find me on social media? Well, let me tell you. You can find me on Instagram, at KeonTorres2020. You can find me on Twitter, at KeonTorres. You can like my page or add me on Facebook, just KeonTorres. Now, back to Kush Chat. We're back. All right. Yeah. Oh, man, this this interview is fucking amazing right now. <laughs> We're finally asking the hard questions that we've all, we've all been afraid to talk about. But yeah. but you know what it is because we're both artists, we're both musicians or we just have the love of music and performing. Exactly. And I, and I feel like journalists that don't do what we do, they can't relate to the experiences and the you know the sacrifices and the oh, hardships, all that shit. Right. So yeah, man, I just got to say thank you guys so much for just giving this amazing interview. Wow. Yeah, thank you for having us. This is like... No, we needed it. We needed this therapy session. Yeah. Hell yeah, it's <laughs> definitely very therapeutic. Hell yeah. But um, that yeah. being said, mm-hmm. so here's like my one out of the three questions I have to ask. So, mm-hmm. and I'll start with you, Cristala, first. What's okay. your favorite song you love to perform? What's your favorite song that you ever recorded? And what's the best song you ever wrote? Hmm. Um, best song I've recorded. I mean, I, I feel like I know. I feel like at the moment, I would like to say it's probably our tiny desk uh submission uh the song is called growing pains yes which i played earlier on the podcast yes awesome yeah i i feel like i don't know i i I definitely feel very i would say within the the last year which I, i i feel like it's a very like difficult year um you know like everything kind of like fell apart or or was like exposed uh in 2019 for me and i don't know it's like one of those things where you you feel like you're you're almost given a song like from god like or from the universe like you just don't know where it came from yeah um this song came so fast for me like i i don't know like i and it it just felt so honest and it just came like I don't know how to describe it but like some songs are like just harder to write than others and this one I don't know it was like from the universe because it it just came really fast I I don't know like how to describe that but yeah I think that's that's probably the greatest song because I it's just so honest and and raw and I, I felt like it really, um, it just really expressed like where I was at the time. And I feel like a lot of people feel, you know, like 
you know, they kind of reflect on their lives and think like, where am I right now? Am I okay with my decisions? Or like, you know, you think about like, hey, during this time in my life, I thought I was going to be this place and I'm not, you know, um, like, how am I okay with that? Like, like, what's going on? You know, like, and I just came to a place where it's just like, okay, like, time is healing. And it was such a weird thing. Like, you know, like the bridge is like, time is all I need. And time is like what I've got. And it's so weird. Like now with this pandemic, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like singing those lyrics is like, holy shit. Like, it, it just hits so hard now, you know? Yeah. And, um, I, I know, I guess I would say openly, like, I don't know if other female musicians feel this way. Um, it's like a lot of times, like as, as a woman, like you feel um, like you just feel like, OK, like I have to have kids by this time and I have yeah. to be married and society standards, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, and, and when you're a female musician, like to be honest, like that's not the first thing that comes to your mind. And you could say like it's selfish or whatever but like when you're a musician like you're thinking about making music exactly so that that was one thing that when i was at this cmj festival a few years ago like sitting next to like jana and my friend cat like i felt like that hit us so hard because it's real like you know like hearing someone else say like like, wow, I had to put this on hold because I'm thinking about my music first, you know? Yeah. And, like, people, like, judging you for that. And I, I felt like it just it just really came out, you know, in that song. I feel like that's my favorite that I've written so far. But I do have another one coming very soon. So I'm hoping that will be my next uh, favorite one. Awesome. Um, so, okay, so favorite song, and you said favorite performance? Yeah. Okay, so favorite performance, I would say I really loved the last time I probably performed with my band, which is crazy to think about it. That was probably one of the last performances we did, like, as L Train, and that was in Arlene's Grocery great venue i love that venue and um i just saw that they're doing a gofundme right now yeah so definitely going to donate to that i oh I hell yeah love freaking arlene's i i have so many memories there definitely um, send me the link to that i definitely will donate too actually we filmed a movie there what yeah yeah and they had me like performing like they had me rapping for, like for this independent film yeah what yeah yo if there's footage can you like send that to me hell yeah hell yeah no, oh i love God. that venue. that venue is great exactly and i feel like everyone has that experience with arlene's like i there's a good vibe there's a good energy in that place you know and 
I don't know, like we, it, it was such a weird show because it was also dedicated to my grandfather that passed away almost now, like two years ago. I'm oh, so sorry for your loss. Yeah. yeah uh, it's, I don't know, he's, I feel like since he's passed, like he's definitely given me a lot of like, I don't know, I feel like he's given me a lot of strength and a lot of will, like, to do music. And he always wanted to, like, he always was making sure, like, I was happy. Like, that was his big thing for me. That's awesome. And, like, he was probably one of the people in my life that didn't necessarily, like, tell me, like, hey, like, music, don't do it. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's a waste of time. Like, I, he never, like, told me that from what I remember. Like, never. But that show was actually, like, his one-year anniversary, you know, since he passed. And, like, that was just, I felt him there with me that day. And I felt, like, a different side of me, like, came out, like, performing-wise. And I feel like I never performed like that in my entire life. Like, I felt like you know, like we were talking about earlier, like just feeling invincible and like you're on top of the world and everything. Oh yeah. It's like all of that, but like times more, I, I felt, I felt inspired. I felt invincible. And like, and I just felt like, I don't know. I just felt like his presence was there with me and like telling me like, Hey, this is what you need to do. You know? Because it it was around the time that I did write, you know, that song, Growing Pains, and, like, I I was feeling very, like, uh, uh, uh." you know, like, like, is this what I'm supposed to do? Like, I was was, was in a place where I was questioning it, like, is, am I supposed to be singing? Like, is that my destiny? You know, it's it's a weird place to be in to, to question yourself in that way. For sure. So you said performing. Yeah, I think you covered so, all three. Okay. I think it's, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's Dave's turn. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Hey, we're all That's we're okay. all Puerto Rican here. We all have. I'm not allowed to make that joke anymore. <laughs> like Cristal's American Idol experience, it made me realize that even though I could relate musically with a lot of pop fans and a lot of other Americans, we didn't look like them. So they will they right. never, they will never, ever allow you in their club. You'll never be on their level. And that, exactly. that show taught me, like, you know what? Like, you can, I can perform and give my heart on the stage, but in business, I need to protect myself and I need to make sure I own everything I do. And right. if I own your masters, and if, oh, yeah. and if we've paid for our recordings, and we paid for the studio times ourselves. No one ha- you don't owe nobody. No shit. one has yep. the power to tell you what to do. And That's you know right. that that can we can easily talk about band conflict on here, but I'm not about that. Life, <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not about like spreading rumors and stuff like that and speaking band and speaking bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not about that. We've never been the way we've handled band drama in the past has been incredible. Like with the drama that we have really been through, like. Like I can't. I don't want to talk about it on radio, but like we've been through a lot of tough shit. Um, the fact that we have been able to just keep it together and own our stuff and pay for our stuff ourselves, along with the help of fans buying, you know, merch and CDs and things of that nature, 
like I, I, I'm really proud of, you know, our band and just playing those shows. The fact that we like, we, we made the best of that situation where it could have, you know, made Cristal and I like lose hope after not becoming famous after playing iHeartRadio. Like it gave us more hope. You know? Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, final two questions. <laughs> oh, man. So, I basically, this question I ask every single guest I have on this show. So, Cristal, you first again. All right. I'm going to keep it. Get ready for this. <laughs> okay. Have you ever smoked weed? Yes. I actually have. Um, I and and you know what? It, it's actually funny that the the first time I smoked weed was after when we released um, "Can't Pay Bills," <laughs> and it was the first time I ever did. And I I think um, our you know our our drummer that we had Tristan like I felt like he he actually recorded me when I was high <laughs> and and all I kept saying was I am so hungry <laughs> oh that's like, hilarious I'm so hungry like I want McDonald's like I had like I had the munchies like crazy but I think that was like the only time I ever smoked weed was like during that time and I I always say like and I, I say this, like, when we finish this project, like, I'll do it, like, as a celebratory kind of thing, you know? That's what I'm talking about. So, yeah, your experience. I, I do it from time to time. It's, it's the thing about drugs with me and. I, uh, I see it as a yeah, plant. It, it, yeah, it's a plant, definitely a wild ass plant. But <laughs> it, so I have a moral issue with, with drugs. And mm. not that it's wrong to to do to smoke weed or or do any kind of drugs as long as it's safe. It's that yeah. I because I grew up very spiritual and very religious, and I I grew up with a really strong ability to meditate and like just get one with God and with the universe or whatever whatever definition that is. Exactly. For people. I have a problem yeah. with people needing drugs to do that. Because I was already so young, getting into like these different parts of my psyche and learning how to write songs and learning how to feed off people's vibes and learning how to attract people with my music and my words and my the way I act, I feel like that's already a drug. So <laughs> I, I look at weed and it's like I'm morally conflicted. Like if I start needing something to get me into a certain mindset, then... Yeah then I'm going to lose a part of me. Like, I, I just don't need weed to do that. But it relaxes me when I smoke it. It relaxes. Yeah. I'll tell you that. It's awesome. But I, I'm not really a person we're, that... We're not... Yeah, we're not We're not really, like, big onto that. I know, like, a lot of people say, like, oh, like, when you're a rock star, you know, you should take all these different things. And it's no, definitely exactly, caused yeah. us a lot of conflict with a lot of musicians. Like, when they would want to hang out with Cristal and I, and, like, we would not smoke up. Like, we just want to do business or or or, or coke, coke up, up. No, that's, that's really about, <laughs> oh yeah, bro i have seen certain, i i have seen a lot of people do drugs that you would not think do drugs oh same just keep it like yeah we just keep it like that <laughs> oh no same same trust me i have keep a terrible like coke experience 
I have a terrible Coke experience I mean, that I never want to talk about ever again, and I never even want to see yeah. Coke again. So, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Let's keep it at that. I don't even drink Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I don't even drink anymore because I feel like alcohol is totally bad for All right, you. we just drank two beers so. while doing this. <laughs> uh, it's all good. It's all good. I don't give a fuck. Y'all get lit with alcohol. I don't give a fuck. But, you know, just everybody has their thing. Everybody has their vice. Yeah. Everybody has, like, the way they live. Everybody has a way to heal themselves. Everybody has a way. But like you said, Gabe, like, we need more human interaction. And I feel like definitely not just with, like, drugs, but also, like, your phone. Oh. Everybody's, like you said earlier, everybody's always on their phone. So we definitely need more human interaction. And I think doing this podcast was definitely perfect. Just talking to you guys is like, like we said earlier, this is very therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Well, that being said, where can the world find you guys? All right. Well, we're on uh, Facebook. The, the link is uh, No Grudges Music. And we're on Instagram at no dot grudges. Um, and we're, we're soon going to be releasing our website, uh, no grudges.com. Um, I did buy it. Nice. I'm very nice. happy to buy it because the person who had it, it had just expired. And I bought it. And, Talk yeah, that shit. No, Ownership. And I found out that it's worth like like a thousand and change dollars that website in general is is worth that amount so i, I was happy that's to, crazy to that. and before we go i want to thank you keon for calling us and, yeah. and giving us the time to, to speak our minds and kind of not shortening at all <laughs> 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 it, it no i it, it i love you guys me, it though, makes like... us feel very legitimate as artists and i i think like you know what i mean by that like in New York, there's so no, many artists. It's hard for you to feel legitimate. I'm just being honest in regards to feelings. Yeah. But the fact that you got us on here and you made us remember the past and just asking us these deep questions, like it inspires me a lot because I'm I'm not a full time musician yet. I was in certain moments in my life, but with this coronavirus, like it's it's hard to be a full time anything and not want to go crazy, but. Thank you for inspiring us and and just allowing us to share our feelings. You know, hell yeah! No, like I was saying, like you guys rock, and like the world needs to hear who you are. You know, like I'm gonna have like all different types of like artists, actors, and models, and fashion designers, like different walks of life in the arts and entertainment business. And I feel like I I hold I hold you guys to that pedestal of not only respect but also love and passion for music and just the arts and entertainment in general. So. Thank you so much, guys, for yeah. being on this amazing episode. Definitely, you, you guys. I don't think nobody's gonna break your record on how long this <laughs> shit is. So, oh uh, we definitely have to do this. We definitely have to do this again in person. Yeah. So once for all this sure. Corona shit is over, so sure, so thank you so yeah, much, guys. You. Stay safe. Stay Amen, healthy. You too, brother. And uh, and yeah, we'll all do right, this man. again. Thank you, Keon. Thank you, Keon. All right. All right, thank you. Peace.